0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Listen, you spend a third of your life in sheets, so this holiday season, it is a great time for a bedding upgrade for you or a loved one. Linen sheets have been named the winner of the Best of Online Bedding category by Good Housekeeping. Here's how this works. Brook Linen works directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. There are no middlemen, meaning they can give you five-star hotel quality sheets that are affordable and they're easy to order. I'm telling you, my Linen sheets are absolutely the best, most comfortable sheets that I've ever slept on. I'm so glad I made that upgrade. Now you need to do the same thing. Brooklinen.com is giving you clones an exclusive offer. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use my promo code ROAM at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use my promo code ROAM at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code ROAM. Brooklinen, I'm telling you, these are the best sheets ever.
1: He intimidated a lot of guys. A lot of the fight was left in the dressing room. Or he physically ran him over like one of those monster trucks runs over Volkswagen. And and that's probably a good analogy. Because he was so physically superior to most people that he did.
0: Hey now, what's going on? Welcome to the Jim Roam Podcast. This is Ep. 63 of the original Side Hustle. And today my guest is boxing legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy was just selected for induction into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. He also returned to training fighters and helped Alexander Vosdick win the light heavyweight title. His story is amazing. Teddy survived a knife fight as a teenager that nearly took his life. He went to work with legendary trainer Customato, and he has lived an amazing boxing life. Pot Up, an incredible conversation with Teddy Atlas is coming to you right now. Teddy, it's been a moment or two since you and I got caught up. It is so good to have you on this podcast, Teddy. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, Jim. I, I was uh, I've just at a little bit of a, a Christmas party, I guess you would say, in Brooklyn, New York, at a pretty famous place called Peter Lucas. I just stepped out on the street. Some of the people that do the Christmas party, they help sponsor my charity foundation, where we help young people, families that have young kids that need surgeries and, you know, need a treatment program that their insurance doesn't take care of. And we do that for the last 22 years. And I had to be here for this uh, because they helped me do what we do. So I just stepped out on the street to talk to you. It's a a little chilly, but you know what? It's, it's, It's okay talking to you. It keeps me awake.
0: I appreciate that, Teddy. That sounds exactly in character for you. It's good to have you. Thanks so much. Now, Teddy, you recently were selected for induction into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. You've had a pretty amazing boxing life, both as a trainer, a fighter, and even as a broadcaster. So what does that honor mean to you?
1: You know, Jim, to be honest with you, um, it's very nice. I appreciate it. How can you not appreciate such a thing, right? But it doesn't define me. My family defines me. And I don't mean to be bold or, you know, sound like like I'm I'm not appreciative because it's quite the opposite. I'm very appreciative. But my family and and people, you know, in my life, hopefully I, I look the right way and behave the right way. And. My children, that, that's what I want to be defined by this. As far as this, the greatest thing about this, it's an opportunity to celebrate something nice with my family and say thank you. Because you know what? 40 years in this business, I, I missed a lot of birthday parties. I, I missed some graduations, you know, and I missed holidays. And this is a way of saying thank you guys for letting me do what I did and being so selfless and being the family you, that you are. So, for me, that's, it's a great reward. It, it really is. There couldn't be a greater reward than to be able to celebrate something with your family and tell them thank you.
0: you know, Tane, when you lay it out like that, it makes me wonder about your family. When you were growing up, your father was a doctor. Your mother was a model. I mean, in theory, it sounds like an idyllic childhood. Was it?
1: What was it like? You know, listen, you, hopefully you get a little smarter when you get older, right? Hopefully, hopefully. And um, but as a kid, my listen, my I like Mickey Mantle. You know, I knew about Willie Mays, and uh, you know he, he was he was still around, uh, playing. And later on, unfortunately, he played for the Mets, and that was no way for him to go out. The great Willie Mays. But it, my real hero was my father. I didn't know what a hero was. I didn't know how to define a hero. I just know that there was I. There was something special about this man. You know, he did house calls till he was 80. He he went into the projects. He took care of all the poor people. I didn't know until he died why he did that, because his mother made him promise. He had a single mother, and his mother made him promise he'd take care of the people that had less, the poor people. And you know what? He kept the promise. And so he built a hospital on Staten Island with 22 beds for one reason. There There was no such thing as Obamacare or HMOs. There was... There was doctors or there were women doctors. And then there were clinics. And the clinics weren't always safe. And But that's where the poor people wound up. And he built a hospital for 22 people, 22 beds in it, where he absorbed the course and people could get good hospital care. And he kept that hospital going for 24 years until the Verrazano Bridge was built. And then the city tore it down because they put the highway there. And there's a guy who did house calls who was eighteen and he did charge. And he went into all the poor areas to do the house calls. And... So when he died I figured hey you know let's start a foundation to remember what he did but during the time that I was living with him it was I didn't get enough attention I know that sounds selfish and it sounds rotten but you know what even though I was a doctor's son you got to you got to have the guy you love you got to have his time you, you got to have his attention and he was too busy taking care of everybody else And and a special man and a great man. But he was always taking care of everyone else. So being the genius idiot that I was, I guess that I figured out as a young kid, you know, 16 years old, you get into those crooked places of thinking. I figured, well, who's he helped? He helps all the people that are messed up, all the people that are sick, all the people that are fractured, all the people that have problems. So I'm going to have problems. So I made problems. I got on the street. And I got in trouble, and I did stupid things, and I um, listen. If I'm gonna say it, I can't just say the part that make it sound okay, you know, where I was fighting with everybody. But I also robbed places, and it's horrible. But you know, I guess they say as long as you get to the right place. But you know, sometimes everyone's got a different journey, a different path, and I got myself, you know, 200 stitches in a cut in a knife fight. On my face, people that know me know that there's a scar there. There's 200 stitches outside, 200 stitches inside. And, you know, I wanted my father's attention. I realize it now. And it was a stupid way, an awful way of getting his attention. Um, You know, the funny thing about it was when I was in the hospital and they thought I was going to die, I was, after the surgery, on, on the way to the hospital, my friend it was in a tough neighborhood where it started and they put me into a bodega on the floor and I filled about four towels of blood and there was nobody coming. So finally he jumped over the counter and said a cop was shot. And, uh, next thing you know, everybody's there. There's helicopters and there's all kinds of stuff going on. They got me to the hospital and I remember the cop saying that like, it sounded matter of factly, but he was like, you know, we might lose this guy. And I was, I was thinking to myself, again, it's going to sound funny, but they don't understand. My father's going to take care of me. They don't understand what a good doctor he is. Yeah. They have no idea. And we get to the thing, and I'm semi-conscious, and they're, they're rolling me in. And I remember they're, they're looking over me in the stretcher. I still remember this. And I said, make sure you get Dr. Atlas. And they said, we don't have time for Dr. Atlas. We don't have time. We, you're, you're going to be in good hands. I said, no, 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 no. You have to get Dr. Atlas. You got to get him. But obviously, another doctor did the surgery. Did, and all I remember was when I woke up, I was in the hospital bed. And my father, and he was a man who cut to the chase because that's how he lived. And he just, he looked at me. I looked up. I saw his face. He was looking over me. And he said, the doctor did a good job. You're going to have a scar the rest of your life. And you know what? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes things are, sometimes you get yourself into a place where you're going to have a scar the rest of your life. But, you know, I also have a life now. I, I finally got to the right place. You know, I finally understood what it was about, what it wasn't about. You know, often I tell my fighters that as a trainer, sometimes i would say, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. And they'll look at me like they're astounded. They think I'm a really good teacher. And they'll say, you don't know. I said, no, but I know what not to do. I know what not to do. And sometimes, you know what? That's as important, if not more important, than knowing what to do in life sometimes, just knowing what not to do. So I finally finally got there. And um, I finally got there. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be in the Hall of Fame, to have a something that I can celebrate with my family, uh, something that I can say thank you to my family with. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know what? Hopefully my father sees some of this. I know that's whatever that is, but maybe maybe he sees some of it because he, he helped me go up to Catskill to custom models where I became a trainer when I was a lost 18-year-old kid, and I found direction. Boxing helped me find direction. To find responsibility. You know how I found direction? By being responsible for other people. Hmm. By caring about other people, I learned how to care about myself. And so by he, he paid for me to go up there. It was $50 a week back in those days. But still, I didn't have the money. And he paid my room and board, and I spent seven years up there. And I always regretted one thing, that at the end of the day, when a father does something for a son, usually it's something more, you know, standard or conventional where they send them to college or something. And there's a graduation. And at the graduation, you get to thank your parents, thank your father. You get one of those silly hats to wear, right? And you throw it up in the air and, and everybody celebrates. I never had a graduation for my father to say, hey, you know, it led to this, that. But for me, I hope he can see the Hall of Fame. And that can be the graduation where he can say, yeah, you know, he did okay.
0: Hey, listen up. There is a very buzzy gift that's on everybody's list this year. It's something that they'll use twice every single day. It was featured on Oprah's O-List, and it's perfect for everybody with a mouth. That's it. That gift is Quip, an electric toothbrush designed to make brushing better. Better because there are sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough on your sensitive gums, and a built-in timer with guiding pulses to remind you when to switch sides. I love Quip. It's the gift that keeps refreshing with brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for only five bucks. It's fast, it's easy, and it works so well. Quip looks like a big-ticket tech gift with a stocking stuffer price starting at only $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. But you don't have to tell your gifty that. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash rome. I love this gift. Quip is awesome for the holidays. In the meantime, Teddy, in the meantime, you carry on his name in the foundation. You continue to do that work. And depending on what you believe, maybe, in fact, he can see down. Maybe he knows exactly what's going on. And he did send you to Customato. Teddy, for those who don't know, what was Cus like? What was he like? What was he like to work for and what he mean to you?
1: You know, listen, Cus was a savant, I guess. Cus was a guy that was committed to one thing, boxing. I mean, he had no problem telling you I didn't get married because I couldn't. Because I couldn't share... My life with somebody else, it would be it would be impossible because I was committed 100% to boxing. That sounds a little crazy, but hey, you know what? Sometimes geniuses is a little crazy. Sometimes special people look crazy. They they're committed to a higher level than somebody else. Boxing was everything to him, and and not just the physical part of the boxing. The X's and O's, which was a great teacher, and he had his own style, Pickaboo style, but it was it was about the psychology about the mental aspect you know about everybody's afraid and it's a matter of how you learn to control your fear that anyone who he used to have a great saying he used to say hey teddy anyone who tells you they're not afraid they're one of two things they they're either crazy they should go to a doctor and see what the hell's wrong with them or they're a liar <laughs> because you got to be afraid if you're not afraid you're not ready for what you got to face right. you're not normal Nature put fear in everybody. You got to learn how to use it, and that was really, you know, the whole thing for cuss was learning how to control your emotions, how to control your doubts, your fears. And um, he was a, you know, he was a great, a great teacher, especially from the psychological aspect of things. And it, it allowed me to be a pretty, you know, I think a pretty decent trainer, and and also a decent commentator. I hope. I hope that's up to the people what they think. But for 22 years a commentator at ESPN where maybe I could explain some of the aspects of what was going on inside the ring to the public in a better way, because of the lessons I learned at his feet and because of my own experiences that, you know, sometimes, sometimes people might undermine themselves, you know, in in ways that you wouldn't think they undermine yourself themselves. And, and there's, there's different levels of submission in life, you know, that, Sometimes you see you see a guy get knocked out. Well, there's no submission; he gets knocked out cold. But then there's levels where maybe a guy stops fighting, and he and he's waiting for the referee to stop it. And I know that this is difficult for some people to comprehend, but we would phrase it: he's a game quitter, where he's starting to give up, but he wants a he wants a way out, so he stops fighting just enough and taking punishment. So the referee will stop him without him looking like he quit. So he can live with it. So the people in the neighborhood won't say you quit. And yet, the funny thing about it was that he would take more punishment to get to that place than if he disciplined himself, controlled his emotions, and fought the right kind of fight. He'd get hit last because he'd be in control of himself. If he's flipping punches, he'd be stepping out of range. And he'd he'd be able to handle those situations. But instead... At that moment, when the pressure comes, you, you don't think you have control, so you give in. And when you give in, you allow yourself to go to the wrong place. So you wind up taking punishment just to get out, just to not face what you have to face. Well, those are the lessons that I learned. I learned them firsthand. And you know what? You can use, you can use those lessons when you're a commentator on TV, when you're a trainer in the corner. And you know what? You can learn them. You can use them as a parent. As a father.
0: Right. You know, Teddy Teddy, that notion of looking for a way out and doing something which would enable you not to lose face back in the neighborhood. I'll never forget it when Mike Tyson bit Evander in the ear Presumably now, presumably because Ivana was headbutting him and the referee didn't do anything to stop it. The entire world's reaction at that time was, "Holy shit! Mike is a savage. Mike bit his ear off." But you said something, and I mean, we're, we're touching on it right now. But when you said it at that time, nobody had ever said that before. And you said, "No, that's not what that is. Mike's not a savage. Mike was looking for a way out." Teddy, like a way out of what? What was going through Mike's mind during that fight? Why did Mike do what he did?
1: Because he couldn't deal with the man in front of him uh, you know with it, it wasn't the punches it wasn't the physicality it was the will of the man that he that he couldn't control that guy that that he could he did not in his mind feel that he had control of his own fate his own destiny that this guy would would control him that that he couldn't he couldn't deal, he wasn't strong enough to deal with somebody that was going to come forward and do what everybody does in the ring, try to hit you more than you hit them. He, he was used to where he either intimidated somebody, and he did, he intimidated a lot of guys, where a lot of the fight was left in the dressing room, or he physically ran them over like one of those monster trucks runs over a Volkswagen, and, and that's probably a good analogy because he was so physically superior to most people that he did. But he never had to test his character. He never had to test his will. His, and you want to use a fancy word? His intestinal fortitude. That, that never had to be tested, because the physical ability of him took care of everything. But now it wasn't there anymore. It was, he couldn't physically knock the guy out with one punch. He tried. He tried. And when it didn't happen, he was desperate. He couldn't intimidate him. So now, what did he have? He had nothing. There was nothing in the warehouse. There was nothing in the inventory. He had never been built that way. There was no strength. Everything was built on physically overrunning somebody, uh, mentally intimidating somebody. There was no backup. There was, he was hollow. He was truly hollow. There was nothing there. And when there was nothing there, what do you do? You try to find a way out. You pull the ripcord, right? I mean, really, you do. And pulling the ripcord for him, when he knew that it was empty, he knew that he didn't have what we just talked about to deal with this man. Well, he put the guys here because he knew that would get him out. Matter of fact, you know, people talked about his intelligence. He was, listen, he wasn't intelligent in an academic way, but innately, yeah. He had an instinctual intelligence. He set it up in the press conferences before that fight, if you remember. He actually said, he started saying, I want a different referee. I don't want Mitch Halpin. God bless Mitch Halpin. He's not with us anymore. But he said, and he was a good ref, Mitch Halpin. But he said, I don't want him. He allowed headbutting to go on. I want someone else. So they put Nose Lane in there. They put someone else. But he was setting up, he was setting up an alibi. He was setting his whole thing up. So he knew exactly, you talk about premeditated? I mean, just think about this. He was setting, he could not accept that fight if he didn't have an escape plan. He had to have an escape plan. He really did. Otherwise, he couldn't say, yes, sir, yeah, 30 million. I know there's a lot of people listening. Teddy, was getting $30 million. I don't give a damn. I don't care if you're getting $30 million. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. He wasn't thinking about the money. He was thinking about what I just described. He was thinking about being in a ring alone, empty, with a guy he couldn't handle. He needed an escape plan. He needed a way out. So he started putting it in the press that, hey, I'm not going to fight if they don't change the refs. So people started asking questions. Why? Why would he do this? Right. Oh, because he got headbutted. Oh, because. So he had it all in place.
0: Like, like Teddy, like he knew, and I remember going inside a fight, like you, you prop, you knew, you knew, you came up with Mike, you knew what he was like. But like a lot of the world, I remember thinking before that fight, hey, listen, I mean, Mike's going to do what Mike always does. Mike might not be as dominant as he was prior to going away, but Mike is still intimidating, guys. And Teddy, I'll never forget it. Evander Hoyfield, I was watching that fight thinking to myself, Holy crap, he's not afraid. He's not afraid. He's not backing up. He is standing right in front of Tyson in the center of the ring. So what was Holyfield's mindset? What did he have that Mike didn't have?
1: I'm gonna, he had a mother that when he was a kid held him accountable, and he'll be the first one to tell you. He said, when I did something wrong, my mother took me in the back in, in Georgia. I think it was Atlanta or whatever suburb of whatever part of Georgia. Took me, they didn't have much. Took me in the back where there was a little shed, and there were different twitches. I guess that's what they called them. Switches. The that they would, yeah. <laughs> what were they switches? Right. And, and so he had different switches. And she, he said she'd let you choose which one you wanted. You want the big one, the small one, or the medium one? Because either way, it's going on your backside. And, and that's when he did something wrong. He was held accountable by his mother. He understood that you face what you gotta face. The opposite for Tyson. The opposite for Tyson. There was always a way out. There was always a way. One of his ways out, quite frankly, he grew up in Bedford St. is he would hide in between walls in abandoned buildings. He talks about it. Nobody takes it any further. But for me, I'm not trying to be a professional psychiatrist, but let me tell you something. Or an amateur psychiatrist. But as a trainer, you better be one. You better understand the, the human psyche, human nature. Otherwise, what good are you? X's and O's? Get the hell out of here. X's and O's. You better know how, why people can and can't do certain things because of how they're feeling. So I always thought to myself, did he ever get out of those walls? When you hide in between walls to hide from people, do you really ever escape from the walls? Hmm. When, when push comes to shove and you never, and you never face anything? And you hit all that time, and now you're this big hero, and you're the, you know, and then you do other things that are wrong, other things that are weak, and now you got to go in there and you got to, you, you got to be a Viking, you got to be a gladiator, you got to be a Spartan. Guess what? You better feel like that inside. Really, you can look like it on outside. Yeah, no problem. Muscles they glisten, right? You flex them, you hit a guy, they go away. But when a guy don't go away. You better feel like that inside. Well, what did he feel like inside? Think about it. He thought about What did he think? Did he feel like a Spartan? That's what you're supposed to be representing. Or did he feel like a liar, like a fraud, like a phony, yeah. like a weak person? Hmm. Holy feel, what did he feel like? That's a Viking like right the there. His mother made him feel hmm. like a guy that could face anything and a guy that did face everything.
0: Life comes at you fast, right? And video conferencing has changed the way that we do business. Fewer long-distance trips and more FaceTime at the click of a mouse. And in 2018, the clear winner is Zoom. Zoom delivers flawless video, pin-drop clear audio, and instant sharing across any device, desktop, laptop, tablet, or mobile. The HD video is simply incredible. And the first time you see the faces of 49 participants live on the screen, it's insane. And with Zoom, you can share anything with anybody from any device a Word file, a spreadsheet, a presentation deck, a YouTube video, a photo from your phone. You see, Zoom is literally everything you've always wanted video communication to be, with some amazing features that you haven't even thought of, but you'll wonder how you live without them. You can even set up a green screen behind you and make a backdrop of your client's logo or some exotic location from anywhere in the world. The only limit is your own imagination. Now, if you already use Zoom, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but if you don't, you got to find out. Visit zoom.us and set up your free account today. Meet happy with Zoom Video Communications. Set up your free account right now at zoom.us. That's (laughs) zoom.us. Ted, you mentioned what it was like to be a trainer. You're still a trainer. In fact, after broadcasting for more than two decades, you got back in the gym. You worked with light heavyweight Alexander Vozdick. Let me ask you, were you looking to get back to work as a trainer and then what was it like for you to get back in the gym?
1: Thanks for asking. Listen, Jim, the last thing in the world I was looking for because I'm scared to come back and train fighters. Huh. How you come? Know, I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, How I'm come? scared. Because because I don't want to fail them. Because you have a responsibility. They trust you. They believe you. And they, you tell them they're going into a dangerous place, and everything's going to be okay. You do what I tell you. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. And I'm afraid of failing that that trust. When somebody trusts you, gives you that kind of trust, and you have that kind of responsibility, you know what? It, it um. It can be difficult. You, you're, you're in camp eight weeks away. I was in outside California. And listen, I'm blessed. I get paid for this. I get it. I understand. But I can. But it doesn't mean you don't feel what you feel. And every night you go to bed, I go to bed. Did I do everything right? Is everything going to be okay? I wake up. Is everything going to be right today? Uh, am, am I, I going to have him ready? Is he, is he going to be able to succeed in the way I told him he was going to be able to succeed. And sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes it becomes so much that there's times that you just want to run away from it. You just want to say, like something might go wrong, you get sick, like he got sick a week and a half before the fight. Hey, it happens. It's part of it. It's part of being a pro. It's part of it. You deal with it. So I dealt with it. I pulled a few workouts back. I, I cut down a little bit here and there. I got him. I got him to a doctor. I mean, you do what you got to do. But you, 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 so again, am I going to fail? It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he has to win. He has to win. He has to win. Am I going to fail his family? Am I going to, he's got three young kids. I mean, they really think that everything's going to be okay. And, you know, and you get to this point when he's, all of that, and you know what you're getting ready for, and you know what's getting closer and closer. You start to say, oh, God, I, you know, I, I wish I could just escape this. You don't. That's the difference. You don't, you don't escape it. You don't run away from it. But if anyone told you when they feel what I'm just describing that they don't feel that, I think they're lying. Teddy, I mean, l- see, t- let me ask you, you t- Teddy,
0: Teddy you, you've worked with a number of champions. You've worked with a number of fighters. Have you always felt that way about every fighter, or is this kid different, or has your kind of mindset changed as you've gotten older?
1: You change when you get older, I guess. When I was young, when I was young, all I was doing was training fighters one after another all day long. I was training fighters for free up in Catskill. I trained them during the day. I trained them at night. Sometimes I trained them in the morning. I trained them on Sundays. And all, all you did was you, you trained fighters and you were moving forward. You're moving forward. You're moving forward. That's your job. That's your responsibility, your commitment. And I was committed to these young kids. And it made me feel good. I had young kids I was developing that, you know, I made sure they, that one of the rules was they, they had to pass all their subjects in school. Otherwise, they couldn't come to the gym. So you're involved, you know, in, in a lot of aspects of their life. And a lot of them didn't have fathers. So, you know, and I would take them out to the movies. I would take them to picnics, stuff like that. And, you know, you're involved and you're just absorbed with that. And you're, you're busy. And then you start training pro fighters. I go to New York. I leave Catskill because of the Tyson situation. I go to New York and I'm I'm training. Fine. I'm this young trainer in Gleason's gym in Manhattan, and I'm training all these guys. And you know, you you're just moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, and 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 you're not you're not looking backwards. And then next thing you know, forty years go by. Right. And um, sometimes you you're looking you're looking backwards. You're looking underneath you 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 know you're you're not looking just forward anymore you're you're looking at well what you know what if i failed this my my kids are old enough to know and to feel the hurt of people taking shots at their father because when you get a tiny bit of celebrity in this and then you come back and you fail well listen human nature is human nature there's beautiful people out there there's great people out there great 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 people but sometimes there's there's people that aren't as great, <laughs> They're not as, as nice, and they just line up. And, you know, and I know you're not supposed to think about that stuff. And I know everyone says, oh, I don't think about that. That doesn't bother me. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I don't say it, but you you feel it. And, and when your family feels it, you feel it. And, you know, and now instead of just looking up, sometimes you look, I guess, in other directions. You say, you know, I don't want my family to feel those things. And I don't want my fighter... You know, I don't want to... I don't want to not live up to that trust. And uh, take care, guys. And it's just different than it was when you were young and you were just plowing ahead, plowing right. ahead. And now you're thinking about other things. Of you're course. You're thinking about, you know, the things I just described. And and sometimes it... uh. Sometimes it can make things a little difficult, and and it can make things a little, you know, burdensome. And again, I, uh, you just, you just get to a place where, you just, you feel that if you, if you don't succeed, you're failing everybody, and especially the person that trusts you the most.
0: Fellas, I've got some fashion advice for you. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. Because more often than not, that shirt was not made to be worn that way. I mean, you may think that it makes you look casual, but pretty much you look like a slob. That's why Untuck It makes shirts that are specifically designed to be worn untucked. We're talking a casual shirt that's not too long, not too short. It's just right. Shirts designed so well that GQ calls them, quote, perfection. Untuck It shirts are a go-to for any occasion from casual to dressy. Not only do they look good, but they feel amazing. I know I wear them. Impeccable craftsmanship. Attention to detail. Make Untuck It the only choice for the untucked man. With more than 50 sizing options, every guy can find the perfect shirt. So log on to UntuckIt.com and check out all the new fall arrivals. Use the promo code ROAM20 and get 20% off your entire first-time purchase. You can also visit Untuck it in one of their over 35 retail locations across the country. So stop hiding your shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use the promo code ROAM20 and get 20% off Untuckit.com. Tell you, when we started this conversation, I asked you about the Hall of Fame. The first thing that came to your mind was family, and you wanted to talk about family. This man has a family, and I know you've got great respect for him, and you know he's got kids, and he's got a family. You don't want to let them down. And Teddy, I know you're outside, and it's about 40 degrees in Brooklyn. I could talk to you for hours before I let you go, and I really appreciate you, and I really appreciate this opportunity. You know, I listened to part of the Joe Rogan podcast that you did, and you mentioned a fighter. I could talk to you about literally hundreds of fighters, but you mentioned somebody that I want to ask you about, because when I was in Los Angeles growing up, and long before there was any MMA, my father and I would watch fights on TV, man. It was so great to watch the great fights and I'm actually old enough that I remember this fighter and my dad used to go watch him fight at the Olympic Auditorium in LA I think Bobby Chacone is the guy you mentioned and I think of Bobby Chacon, Teddy he was such an amazing fighter and such a tough guy and somebody that you just you wouldn't know about and maybe if you did you would know how badly it ended for him what do you remember about him and the grit and the toughness of Bobby Chacon? He
1: defined toughness he um he knew nothing but toughness he he fought only with heart. And with more heart than than a person should be expected to fight with sometimes. And, you know, he, he knew how to behave only one way, like a fighter. Um, to always find a way. And I know that sounds, again, a little different, but, you know, you, you know how to fight, you know how to do this, but what about behaving? But you have to know how to behave. And he knew how to whether he was cut, whether his eyes were closed, whether he had been dropped two, three times. He knew how to behave like a fighter. And he always behaved like a fighter. Always. And he fought Bazooka Lamon and Bose Edwards and all those guys and they were trilogies of fights and just nothing but just epic battles. I mean wars. One after another. And he did nothing but get people to applaud him, get people to wish that they, just get people to step outside of themselves sometimes while they were watching him and, and say, I wish I had the heart of Bobby Chacon. I mean, I I, I I wish I could face my bosses the way Bobby Chacon faces anybody that gets in that freaking ring. And I don't know if he knew that he had that kind of power over people and sort of, you know, action that that he created with people to think that way. But he took too much. At the end, you can only take so much. You know, the body takes and takes and takes, and there's nothing to take no more. And unfortunately, Bobby, you know, he paid the price for all those wars, and for, you know, all the moments that he gave people to cheer and stand and, you know, say, go Bobby, you know, he, he's, he, he's in bad shape. And I wish he wasn't. And I wish that, you know, that wasn't part of it sometimes. And that's, that's what you, maybe as a, maybe as a trainer, sometimes that's, that's part of, The worry is that you know that you can protect the guy I mean let's face it you know you're kind of like a surrogate parent and I think that's kind of what what I feel now at this point in my life maybe that's part of it When, when you take the responsibility of a fighter because you're supposed to teach them but you're supposed to protect them and how much can you protect someone when you're putting them into a place of danger you know you're protecting somebody but you know the professional side of it. You know, the sports side of it, the business side of it, the professional side of it. That, yeah, you're teaching them to go in a place where sometimes you go in there and you come out of there with less than you went in there with. I mean, that's a possibility. And um, I mean you look at it that way and you understand it that way, well, you're going to go to bed as a trainer every night, I think. At least I, I know I. that's probably why I do. And you're going to worry that did I do everything right? Did I do everything right? And is everything going to be okay? And um, you just hope it is. And with Bobby, you know, oh, with Bobby, you just think about him. You just think about, you know, what what a fighter, what a warrior he was. And how the opposite of Tyson. And I'm not con Tyson. I mean, you know, I'm not knocking Tyson. But he he never knew... He never knew how to behave like a fighter the way Bobby Chacon did, you know. And um, and Bobby really did. He really, and listen, a lot of people listen to me and say, but Teddy, look where it got him. And say, yeah, I understand. But you know what it also got him? It got him the adulation for those years when he was okay, when he was healthy. And that adulation for all those years with all those people that well, that he was a hero to, that, that they, that they, They depended on him to feel better, on him Mm. to feel better, to feel that they could do something, that they could stand up to something. You know what? Some people live a whole lifetime. They don't freaking get close to that.
0: It's always an amazing conversation. Recently selected for the induction into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Physically, Teddy, you will go in next summer. I know you've got some things to think about between now and then. Teddy, it is so good to get caught up with you. As I mentioned, I could do this for another hour easy. But really good to have you on this podcast, Teddy. I appreciate you. Congratulations on the amazing honor. And so good to get caught up, Teddy.
1: Appreciate you too, Jim. Thank you.
0: Now, quick shout out to all my pals in the building business. Building pros, listen up. If you're a contractor, a builder, or a remodeler, Lumber Liquidators Pro Plus is the only partner that you will ever need for all of your flooring needs here's how this works with special pro only pricing and dedicated support ll pro plus will help you get your flooring jobs done quickly and profitably are you worried about selection and availability do not be lumber liquidators has over 150 million square feet of flooring available with over 100 square feet in stock at most stores and they stock professional grade adhesives underlayment, molding, tools, fasteners, and grout so you can get exactly what you need when you have to have it. If you're too busy to pick up that flooring, that's also not a problem because the LL Pro Plus team will deliver it right to your job. And with LL Pro Plus, if you need a business line of credit, they can help you out there too. Put the LL Pro Plus flooring experts on your team right now. Visit your local Lumber liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash prosales today. Big ups to Teddy Atlas on an all-time honor as he heads into the International Boxing Hall of Fame next summer, and many thanks to him for stepping out on a curb and doing 45 minutes with me in 41-degree weather. Awesome, awesome effort. Teddy, great to get caught up. All right, then. With the holidays coming up, I know you have flights and road trips, and downtime. It is a perfect opportunity to go check out the other 62 episodes. I've ran down this list before, but it is so good, I need to do this again. Gary Payton, David Faraday, Stephen A. Smith... Charles Barkley, David Goggins, Harvey Levin, Bob Costas, Adam Carolla, and about 55 more are in the Jim Rohn Podcast Library. Go find your new favorite episode between now and the new year. Trust me, you will thank me later. I'm back next week with episode 64 before the end of the year, so make sure you get subscribed and look for that, and I will catch you all next time.